Now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir? I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that is me along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew today for Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. All right, so uh, we got to bring, well, kind of make it a family affair today. Is that right, Dennis? What's going on? Yep. We, we've got a lot of stuff that's been going on at our house lately. Um mm-hmm. And this time it's all aviation related. It's all aviation related. So let's bring on Austin, who is Dennis's son. And, uh, you know, early on in his aviation career, Austin challenged me to uh, get my private pilot certificate before him. And I, I failed miserably. And here we are a few years later. And now what what level of certification are you, Austin? What is it? So I am a flight instructor as well as a multi-engine instructor. And I'm working on my CFII rating. Aha. Uh-huh. So we went from a challenge to see who could get their private pilot cert- certificate first to, hey, look, I'm at a level where I can teach you how to fly now, right? Basically, yeah. Okay. So uh, we have that to look forward to or, you know, the abuse that I'm going to partake in here eventually. We will see. But uh, I'm going to set that aside for now because Austin not only has been training like a maniac over the last few years, he's well, you know, on his way to becoming a, a major player in the aviation industry. He's had some time to kind of divert and have fun along the way which uh, you did some just kind of fun stuff the last week or so, right? And did something pretty special. Yeah, we have a a group of guys at our local airport that uh, every week they go up and uh, do some formation flying. And it's kind of a spectacle to see, at least from uh, my house, because they fly over us pretty much all the time. So um, since I work at the FBO, we feel those guys. And I was like, hey, what would it take to uh, come up with you guys sometime? And, um, you know, all the stars aligned last week and I got to go, uh, hang out in the back seat of a T six and, uh, watch them do their thing. Wow. Okay. So they, they, uh, do this formation flying. So these are, I mean, what kind of club is this? Is it a club or what is it? What are they? No, it's just a, it's just a bunch of dudes that have, uh, like old warbirds and, yeah. uh, one guy has a, a T 34 mentor. So a tandem seat bonanza. And, uh, they just fly formation together and they do, uh, like air show or air expo stuff throughout the year and, uh, like over veterans day and like the 4th of July, they'll go do like flyovers of the city. So there'll be four or five of them all in formation with smoke on just flying around. Nice. All right. So Dennis, I assume you're jealous of your son right now. Absolutely. I have yet to uh, get a ride in one of those warbirds. And so he beat me to it, but deservedly so. Um, One, he's uh, younger and lighter. And two, he actually does work for them. So, you know, he's always there helping them fuel up those airplanes and doing whatever they need uh, every week. So Uh, otherwise known as brown nose, he was brown nosing these pilots and finally it paid off. Is that right, Austin? Come on, be honest. Well, I'm not going to say I'm an expert at brown nosing, but I'm an expert at brown nosing. <laughs> okay. So, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was uh, raised right. 
And I might have given uh, given them some tips along the way for that as well. But, hey, look, you know, uh, that sounds pretty awesome. So describe the experience. You went up in this T6. And so uh, you're you're in the, uh, I don't know, are, are you, you're not in the, the left seat. Are you in the right seat? Or where are you on this plane? I, I'm in the back seat. Okay. So is this like so, a jump seat in the cockpit or is it further back well, in the like, uh, thing or what? It's the, the pilot sits in front of like the quote unquote co-pilot or passenger. Yeah. So it's like a, like a Piper Cub. Okay. You know, you have, gotcha. It's that same setup, but it was really weird, like strapping into this airplane that probably weighed three or four times as much as the Mooney even does. And like I was almost wearing the airplane because you have the uh, whole parachute harness to strap into as well as the seatbelt. And um, then like the entire airplane's just like chugging along with 650 horsepower in the front and it's loud and noisy yeah. shakes, you know, but um, it's, it was a breeze to fly. Like I was expecting it to be just heavy and uh, it really wasn't really. All right. So what about the briefing when you're going through this thing? You got actually have to strap on a, uh, on a parachute to get in this one. They, they, my, that's a required yeah, my, thing. My, my briefing was pretty short. It was, um, here's the D ring, the pole jump out this way and mm-hmm. then you'll figure out the rest. Okay. We won't have to do it. Right. Like, oh, well, all right. That that's fine. So he played it down just a tad. He didn't want to. Well, I, yeah, I knew, I knew we wouldn't have an issue, but it was like, just in case here you go. Yeah. But um, it, it's one of those so, loud monster type of aircraft that, uh, I mean, it, it's where your noise canceling head headsets come into hand, yep. come in handy for that yep. one. I'm sure. Right. But can you feel Definitely. it too? Can you feel the loudness and everything of, of an aircraft oh, like oh, that yeah. or what? Yeah. Well, you can just feel, um, like rolling the power in on the takeoff roll. You could feel that this definitely had a little more pep in its step, even though it was huge. Right. And, but it still only took off at, I think, 85 miles an hour. Hmm. And it, it's a tail dragger, too. So it, it's not like we had to go insanely fast to get up in the air. Yeah. What, we what year are we talking for this aircraft? When was this thing put in production? I, Do you know I don't offhand? know the exact years off the top of my head, but it would have been 1930s through the 40s. Right. Did you feel so, like you were in an old black and white movie, war movie or something when you're uh, flying around in this thing? Or were you just too caught up in the moment just to enjoy the experience? I mean, I, I was too busy, like, uh, just kind of watching them do uh, all the formation stuff. Because they have, uh, they follow this whole rule book made by uh, the aerobatic pilots and then U.S. Navy and U.S. Air Force for, like, aerobatic standard practices right and uh, they have all these little like hand maneuvers and like signals that you do with the airplane to like signify different formations and like different spreads and stuff hmm. it, w- it was quite interesting really so they're they're doing this formation visually they're they're not talking on the radio say okay do nope. a formation a they're not doing they, nope. they're yeah really huh. Yeah, like uh, lead would, uh, he would go like pull the stick back and forth, like so his airplane would be kind of like bouncing up and down. Right. That was to signify to go into trail. Hmm. So all four of us would like go form up into a line from finger four. Yeah. Then uh, he would go like wag his wings and you'd go from whatever formation we were in to um, back to formation or finger four. Okay. So, I mean, that's how they did it back in the day, obviously. But, I mean, I'm assuming they have radio communications and they could talk amongst themselves if they wanted or no? They probably could. But, uh, but they it's don't? More of just a, 
you you don't need to. It's yeah. you're all the uh, wingmen are watching their lead or the person they're referencing themselves off of right. in order to like keep in formation. So that would just be one more thing to do to have to acknowledge on the radio. Oh, yep. Okay. I'll go to this formation, whatever. If you can do it visually, cause you're already looking there, it's one less thing to do, less mm-hmm. task saturation, et cetera. Got it. So all these uh, formation maneuvers that you did, were any of them uh, stomach turning or no, it wasn't that kind of flight, uh, was but- it? It wasn't that kind of flight, um, but we were doing, uh, I believe they called it a tail chase. So uh, we would line up in like an echelon formation and uh, we would do um, like a four second separation break. And uh, the lead person would kind of like, we'd almost be on like a roller coaster. We'd go like up and then back down Mm. over to the left. And you're like, there's lunch. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) I don't think we ever got over two G's, but. Like, uh, my spin training for my CFI rating was much more stomach churning than that was. Okay. So it wasn't too bad, but, uh, what do you think? Is this a one and done thing or did you Brown nose them good enough where you might've parlayed another flight or two into this mix? Well, there's other people that I work with that are on the uh, list to get to go up to fly. But, uh, I tried to make it clear that if there was an extra seat, I would come up again. Right. So. Yeah, how do they look at you as parasitic drag? Like they look at me or, or did they think? Probably ballast. Okay, just ballast, right. I mean, I mean, yeah. it really doesn't affect them too much to have another person in there, does it, or does it? No, Not no, it all. doesn't. And, right. and it's probably a benefit because you have another person out there looking for traffic, yeah. especially when they are a rated pilot and kind of know what to look for. Well, exactly. And so they're putting you to work a little bit. Uh, what about fuel yep. burn and something like this? It has to be crazy, I'm guessing, is it? Um, I th- think they so it's a big 650 horse radial engine right they're not exactly fuel efficient and i think like for the formation flying since they aren't going like all out uh it's like 40 gallons an hour but i think typically it's like 50 to 60 gallons an hour that they have to flight plan for yeah which is nothing in comparison to the uh mustang that's also based on our field that's i think 70 gallons an hour right if uh they so these are uh, planes they're flying because they they don't really they they don't concern themselves with that. They got plenty of money to burn literally. It, it's a toy. It's a toy, exactly. It's about the experience. And uh, of course yeah. you put in a word for your dad so he could go up on the next one, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I he's dripping with <laughs> sarcasm. I detected a bit of a hesitation <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. All right. Well, God bless you. At least uh, somebody in the family gets to have fun. More coming up on Just Plane Radio. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight training professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons flight training professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. 
Flightstudentsradio.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. With Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I was the youngest pilot in Pan Am history. When I was four, the pilot let me ride in the cockpit and fly the plane with him. And I was four, and I was great. And I would have landed it, but my dad wanted us to go back to our seats. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. We're your crew today as we navigate the latest aviation news and information. And just, you know, uh, talk to our our kids and then find out how much fun they're having an aircraft that we'd like to be in. Uh, were you, are you jealous of Austin, Dennis? Come on, be honest. Oh, I was, definitely. Yeah. He was able to go out and enjoy himself, and, right. and I was stressing. You yeah. Know? Well, you were stressing. Why? Because you weren't him, or what? Uh, well, no, because I was preparing for a check ride the next day, so I didn't get to go play. He got That's to right. go enjoy aviation at its best. Yeah, and, you had to uh, work. because I had to work. Uh, but, but it paid off. We have uh, some big news to share with everyone today when, when it concerns uh, Captain Dennis, don't we? That we do. Okay. Uh, so after months of training and practice and hours in the air, I have now achieved the flight instructor instrument rating. How about that? So, you know, while he's out playing, you're out uh, producing. And uh, with this new certification, you can now teach someone IFR flight training, the whole thing, I guess, right? Correct. In, in addition, I could even teach my son how to be a CFII as well. So... You're still one chooses, step ahead. Well, <laughs> he's going to say he's still ahead of me because he's got the multi-engine instructor and that's, yeah. you know, more sophisticated. Right. I'll let him have that one. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. But it's if, not a contest. Yeah, You're going to basically tell him like, look, I'll get your uh, CFI uh, certification for you. However, you're going to have to get me up in one of these T6s and, uh, you know, schmooze these guys even harder so you can take your dad up there. Right. Yeah, we can maybe try to leverage that, but yeah. yeah, he's got a better connection to him than I do. Okay, so what are, what are you going to do with this new cert? I mean, is, was this more of a continuing education kind of thing for you, like you've said before, or are you actually going to do something with it, you think? Well, it really has been, you know, for me just to kind of prove to myself that I can fly to a better standard. Um, that's been the biggest goal of it. Mm-hmm. But I've always said that this would be an ideal you know, weekend side hustle slash retirement gig for me. Right. 
you know, I enjoy aviation, obviously, because that's why I'm on this show every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to share that with other people, well, now I can be the one-stop shop for anybody that needs recurrent training or wants to take their training to the next level. Right. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be flying with my uh, first student other than my family uh, this week. One of my former flying club members has asked if I would go fly with him. He has his instrument rating, but has never actually filed and flown instruments since getting his rating. Mm-hmm. And so he'd like to just go up with somebody that, you know, and go file and fly in the system. So we're, we're going to go ahead and do that. It gives you more reasons to get up there, uh, maybe at someone else's expense. <laughs> right. You're not wrong. Yes, and, of course I'm not. You know, I understand. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked to uh, uh, one of the neighbors down in the, the air park down in Florida that I had met. Right. Well, he's hoping that I make things work and because I can come down there and give him his instrument rating. Mm-hmm. That's what he's hoping is that he would have an instructor living next door. So maybe if this all works out, I might have, you know, a pool of uh, people that need additional instruction and, you know, this, the, the, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Well, you know, you could sell them on your charming personality or you could say, Hey, look, I can do this, this, and this for you, <laughs> you know, and, uh, the latter might have a little bit more pull sometimes. I, I'm not going to speak for you. I'm just, uh, kind of putting myself in, in your shoes. And well, uh, you know, we always do say we have the faces for radio. Well, so, you know, true. we got to have something in our pocket to kind of level things out, right? Exactly. To offset the obvious. All right. So what about the experience of getting this certification? Yeah. Did you have to go through the whole, like, uh, you know, flight test and oral like you would for a private pilot license, or is it a little different type of setup? How's it, how's it compare to get an IFR level like that? It is exactly the same as uh, any other rating. You do go through the oral, so uh, except you're an instructor, so you're expected to be teaching the examiner. Yeah. Um, they're also going to ask you some, you know, traditional IFR questions about, you know, making sure that you understand how the, you know, the system works, charts, how you, do you understand how a GPS approach works? Can you teach that? So you're going to do with some, you know, that typical type of thing. And then you're going to get out and go in the airplane. And from the passenger seat, you're going to fly all of the approaches while teaching and telling someone how to do it and using it as, you know, I'm showing you, here's an example. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you're going to be setting up the airplane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're out actually flying IFR, it's a lot easier doing things on your own. Here, you're doing that and you're trying to explain to somebody what you're doing and why and things that you want to look for and things to be aware of. And, you know, the instructor actually, or the examiner never actually took the plane the whole time. Um, so it was a hundred percent me flying from the opposite seat, looking across to the instruments. And, and of course you have the infamous failure. You're going to have a partial panel where you lose your gyros. And so you have to be able to show how you can do an approach and, God bless the the Avidyne avionics in the airplane because when you do that, one simple button, and again, you can put up the synthetic vision and use that as an example of a way that you can compensate for a loss of a, a mechanical problem. You know, if well, you had a gyro failure, you've got multiple redundant systems to rely on in the airplane now. Well, true, but I mean, are they doing this on the test ride where they they say, okay, you just lost this? How how do you respond? You had to do yes. something like that while you're have, actually acting as an instructor trying to train somebody. Absolutely. Huh, yep, because it's one of the requirements for an instrument rating is that you have to do one of your approaches has to be done partial panels. So you yeah. have to demonstrate to the instructor that you can use needle ball, airspeed and compass. Right. Well, you got to do that, but yeah. don't you have to 
you know, keep your student in check too? Is there something he expects you to say to your student? Like, Hey, uh, we got a problem here. I want you to sit there and, and keep, you know, keep your pants clean. Why I focus on the saving our asses. <laughs> Does that happen or no? That is part of being a, an instructor is, yeah. you know, it's not just managing the system. It's managing the student and, you know, being safe. So what do you say? I mean, are you supposed to say something specifically to the student when he says, okay, you just lost this. Now, what are you going to say to your student? No, that you, you revert to your training. You know, okay. We've well, lost what does your panel, training so this say? Is, yeah. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're, right. we're going to rely not on the artificial horizon and our heading indicator. We have our compass and we have our, um, our, um, turn coordinator that can provide us that. But now look at what we can do with the Avidant. We can push a single button here and bring up synthetic vision and basically replace those things that just failed. Right. But, but you, you sound so calm an, when you're describing it right now. If you're, if I'm the student and this is actually happening, is, is there any technique that you're supposed to use to keep the uh, student from not flipping out and going, what? We lost what? What is exactly, going on? <laughs> what I just did is exactly what you would want your instructor to do. Okay, Calmly just focus on the, you the stuff focus. in front of you. Right. Now, how are we going to work around this? We mm-hmm. lost this. Is this the end of the world? No, because we have these things here to back us up. Got we it. have this advanced avionics that have an artificial horizon built in them. We can leverage that. We right. have our iPads, which are hooked to a Stratus, which also has an artificial horizon. All right. So we have tools at our disposal. My instructor's not freaked out, so maybe I won't. He seems exactly. to be on a plan and, like, okay, this isn't that big a deal. It's not an emergency, even though that way, that voice way in the back of your mind's going, all right, keep it calm. You don't want this guy flipping out on me, too. All right, I hear you. Good stuff. And we got more of it coming up on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I've been up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet. I'm going to fly on out of here on wings that you can't see. If you're going to fly high without fear, you're going to have to learn to love the atmosphere. And you got to learn to use those wings you can't see. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, and Captain Dennis, navigating the latest aviation news and information. And just celebrating the fact that uh, Captain Dennis got his uh, CFI for IFR flying. So he's like a super pilot instructor now. Now, uh, as far as going into your check ride. I know you have a few tips that you came across this week that you wanted to share that would help anybody going into their check ride as far as, uh, you know, passing this thing with flying colors. Is that right? Yeah, it sure makes it a lot easier when you come into the check ride prepared and organized. And there's a few very basic things that everybody could do that would make that part of it go a lot smoother. Um, you know, take a copy of the ACS or PTS for your check ride with you, because there's a nice checklist in the front of that, of all the things that are required to have. And that also is the checklist that the examiner is going to use of what you're going to expect on the test. Mm-hmm. So having a copy of it in front of you, I think is extremely helpful, but the uh, AOPA just recently put out a, a CFI to CFI newsletter and, uh, they called out five specific things that they highly recommend. And I concur uh, that you should have when you're going into an A check ride. And if you have these things ready and laid out and organized, it really makes you look prepared. And the examiner is going to spend a lot less time questioning you because you have, you know, 
your your crap is all together. There you go. And you always want to have that. Exactly. <laughs> At the bare minimum. So, so bring with you a current copy of the FAR AIM, you know, the, the Glime or ASA book. But don't just bring the book. You want to show that you've actually cracked into it. I typically go and flag, you know, some of the relevant chapters, you know, things that the required equipment, airspace, weather minimum rules, stuff that you think might be applicable to your check ride that they might ask you on during the oral. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a lot easier when they say, you know, what is required for day IFR? And you can just go to that tab page and show them the regulation. You're done with the discussion. You don't have to memorize tomato flames and all of these things like that to know what the pieces are. Just show it to them. You know, along with that, make sure that you've got your pilot's operating handbook and the weight and balance for your airplane because you're going to be required to show him that you're going to be within the weight limits and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just part of that whole being organized. There you go. Well, there's a couple. We got a few more that we can share, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's do them on the other side. Stay close to Just Plain Radio. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Well. Are we in L.A.? No, we're in North Dakota, and only those passengers deemed fit to fly will go on to Los Angeles. You're not one of them. Wanna fly, fly, fly on Can I vibe, vibe, vibe on this is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Dennis. We are navigating the latest aviation news and information and celebrating the fact that uh, Captain Dennis is now a CFI IFR instructor and uh, sharing a few tips that he found out or, you know, wanted to share, uh, you know, with with people maybe following or considering a, a similar flight path, you know, whether you're doing an IFR, CFI type of thing or just doing your private pilot certificate would uh make sense because um you know these tips that you're sharing really apply to all test rides right yeah it's any any faa check ride you know the level of organization and having the preparedness really goes a long way towards um easing the the examiner because if he's not having to worry about your ability to find the information stuff then you know he's probably not going to dig as deep and be questioning you to make sure if you if you're organized and have what he's looking for in front of you you can be probably done with that oral a whole lot quicker. Get on to flying and get the stress over with. There you go. All right. So we've covered a couple of the five uh, tips that you uh, found from AOPA. So what what are the other three real quick? Well, the next, the next one is the logbook. You know, it's really critical that you have all of the required signatures and sign-offs for your checkride. But I've heard horror stories from, uh, from instructors and from DPEs of people showing up missing some of the required flights or uh, some of the required experience that you have to have. So I really like using these electronic logbooks. I personally use my flight book because it's free and I'm cheap, Um, but it has a great section in it for training that if you are applying for a particular rating, you can go into this training section and it will actually mine your logbook for you and find all of the necessary landings. Like if you're a private pilot that you have to have, you know, X number of landings, you have to have so many hours of instruction. You need 20 hours of solo, 20 hours of dual. You have to have so many hours at night. And it shows you in a progress chart where you are on meeting those requirements. 
Well, do you know what that does for a DPE when you give them a printout of that showing here's the dates and times of the flights that meet all of these requirements? Here's where I'm at. Right. They don't have to spend the time looking through your logbook or asking you questions or digging deeper because you've already done the homework for mm-hmm. them. Well, and if you have an electronic version, you could just do a quick search on your phone or whatever where whatever device you have it on real quick, right? If they ask right. something specific. Yep, apps, and then but the fact that the software will do all the mining and present here's the requirements for the rating that I'm applying for and show you the dates and times that it's done. So all he has to do is look at your physical logbook if you're still keeping a hard copy, mm-hmm. or he can look back at the records. Either way, you've made his job easier, which right. ultimately makes your job easier. Yeah. Well, plus uh, another argument for the electronic version, you know, when you go and find the hard copy and you go, wait a minute, that. Uh, that page is missing. I can't find it. What are you going to do? Say your dog ate it? No, he ain't. that's not going to pass you, is it? Nope. Yeah, so having an electronic logbook and backing it up to multiple locations, whether you download a copy periodically and put it in your Google Drive, do something. But, I mean, it's great. I still keep the parallel copy on, in hard copy, mm-hmm. but I'm finding myself relying more and more primarily on the online version. Just well, there you go. All right. So we got a couple more uh, uh, tips for your test ride. What are they? So this is, should be common sense, but make sure you come with a valid photo ID. Uh, you know, you, you're required to have a photo ID to exercise the privileges of your pilot certificate. So make sure you have a current valid photo ID. And along with that, make sure you have your pilot certificate and your medical. Because if you show up for your check ride and you're missing any of those, you're not taking that check ride that day. And that's really a dumb reason to bust or, you know, have a discontinuance. Right. So, but that should just be your driver's license, shouldn't it? it, Your driver's license, as long as it's not expired or canceled. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Shouldn't be driving to the check ride if your driver's license is expired. But what if you're flying to the, you know, if the examiner doesn't come to you and you just flew your airplane down and you're missing that stuff, I mean, you're, you're technically illegal. So, you know, think about that. So get this stuff, be organized ahead of time. Again, that's in that checklist in the front of the ACS or PTS of what you need to bring. That's one of those items. Yeah. Make sure it's current. But by the way, uh, as far as IDs, the, what, what are the, I mean, obviously a driver's license work, but what it, I mean, could you use something as simple as like a, I don't know, a library card with your picture on it? Has or, to be a government, government a recognized right. government issue. Okay. So, you know, is the county library government enough? I don't think so, but. Here's uh, my gym card. It has my picture on it. The um, standard that they go by is generally a driver's license or a passport would be sufficient. Right. Um, a military ID would also count. Okay. So don't forget your your stuff, your papers. All right. And then one more tip to yep. make your test ride a little more, uh, I don't know, more efficient. What is it? Make sure you have a view limiting device, you know, foggles. Especially on an instrument check ride, because you're guaranteed to be under the hood. But even on your private pilot check ride, you do have to demonstrate that you can do, you know, climbs, turns, and uh, under the hood. So you're going to need it. Make sure you have a pair. Make sure it fits and works well for you if you're wearing glasses, especially. Have something comfortable. But I want to expand that just a touch more. Bring a view limiting device for your avionics too, because. On my check ride, we had to have a simulated, uh, you know, failure, right? We had to fly partial panel. How do you cover up those partial panels? Uh, So if you have some of those little uh, suction cups or the soap dishes or even some post-its, just have something be prepared to be able to have for the examiner to be able to do that. Uh, The last thing you want them doing is, you know, shutting the power off to your, you know, your Garmin 1000 or something like that to be able to simulate the failure. So 
just bring the stickers, bring, you know, be prepared. It makes your job easier. It makes you look more prepared as the, as the student for that check ride too. Well, is that what the examiner would do? If uh, you didn't have foggles or you didn't have anything to block it, he could potentially just say, well, okay, I'm going to turn this off. He could. Um, it's really frowned upon. It's really yeah, not good imagine. to be shutting those avionics off in flight. So, But that responsibility you know, is on the um, the test, the, the person taking the test, not the examiner. Well, all. the DPE is really supposed to be doing that. But if you make his job easier, it makes your job easier. Well, I was so, going to say, it's kind of like bringing the teacher an apple. Do the yeah. work for them. Give them a little extra. And then they'll treat you nicer. Is that a fair yeah. thing? And, and it shows that you're prepared for this test. You understood what was required to, and what the objectives were, and you were there. So if you, you are brown nosing accordingly. <laughs> exactly. It's all about depth perception, yes. right? Okay. Well, that, that, that's good stuff. I mean, once again, it doesn't matter what level of training that you're testing for. All those tips would come in handy. Little uh, tidbit. So now you know if you have Dennis for your flight instructor, what he expects of you as well. <laughs> yeah. And you, I don't know, if you do all that stuff, do you think the examiner is going to give you a little extra credit or are you, are you just making his day easier? So he might be, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily need to be more forgiving, but you just, uh, you might as well make it a pleasant experience for him. Uh, you know, and if he feels it, that it's, it's going well, it's probably going to translate to make you less nervous, right? Absolutely. I did not really hear much out of my examiner during the whole check ride. Yeah. I did all the talking. There was very little that he had to say. And that it was somewhere in the middle of that check ride that everything kind of clicked and went, hey, wait a minute. This is going very, very smooth right now. Right. <laughs> and I'm feeling very comfortable. And I, it really, I took it and relaxed down another notch. And so all of that preparation ahead of time all of that organization i did having all of the airplane information that the engine times and where the inspections were had it all laid out so that he had no questions he didn't have to spend any time digging and grilling yeah and we got right down to what we needed to do and got it done okay so you got that vibe because he was kind of quiet and wasn't questioning anything that you did uh at what point or did the examiner ever say hey dennis great job was it, it, it not till you got done with it or? We were shut down and in the building um, and we sat down and he's like, well, uh, let's go over this. And oh, by the way, you passed. Aha. So he was, he was holding his uh, opinion close to the vest, but you figure the fact that he wasn't talking was a good thing. Because usually if, if, if the examiner's talking, it's like, no, don't do that. Then, then you probably have an idea that things are, are not going well, or if they say my aircraft and we're heading back home. Right. Um, I mean, is that, spar- is that part of the training uh, th- that you're ta- taught, that you should be qu- kind of quiet if you're being an examiner? Is, I uh, don't know. We'd have to talk to Keith about that and yeah. see, or, you know, or Ed, I mean, and, you know, see what they what the uh, FAA says. But, right. I mean, realistically, his job was to be the student, sit there and listen to me and explain and Right. I think he did a great job of that. He did ask me a few pointed questions about a few things because, you know, technically he can continue to do the oral even in flight and ask stuff pertinent to what we're doing. Yeah. But um, he he didn't do too much of that. Um, so apparently I was already covering the subject material pretty well. Got it. So, uh, yeah, but, but he didn't say anything that you felt like, okay, he's trying to trip me up, but I know your game. Yeah, yeah it was no. none of that. No, it was a very honest, uh, very, very candid, very fun, if, if you can call it that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people told me the double eye check ride for them was a victory lap, and it totally was. I mean, it seemed like everything kind of came together at the last minute for a very smooth experience. Well, there you go. If you know your stuff, 
There's nothing to be uh, nervous about. You're just doing what you've been taught, and that's good stuff. All right, more coming up on Just Plain Radio. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Do you have a message or product you need to share with the aviation world? Well, look no further than Just Plain Radio. Just like you, thousands of aviation enthusiasts are hearing this message. And we could be talking about you and your product or service as early as next Saturday. Remember, a terrible thing happens when you don't advertise. Nothing. Go to JustPlainRadio.com. Send us an email and let us get to work to make your marketing message matter. For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot, and flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Now go, fly, be free. Time for me to fly. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, a co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. And that is obviously the Speedwagon, as they are mentioned on that new Cobra Kai Netflix uh, series with uh, Ralph Macchio. Have you seen that, Dennis? You've been watching I've, that? I've been watching it. I'm just about done with season one. Yeah. And uh, it, it has uh, been quite a bit of a nostalgia of the 80s, you know. Right. Grown up but you're a big a fan of, of the Speedwagon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who isn't? Come on. All right. Anyway. Uh, look, uh, Dennis has uh, been doing some pretty cool stuff, obviously, that we've covered uh, today. But there's also some things going on in your local airport there in Minnesota. And uh, what have they done up in your neck of the woods? 
Well, actually, this is north of us. Uh, my wife, uh, her hometown is actually north of Minneapolis uh, in Cloquet, Minnesota. And ironically, this is the airport that I actually took my flight instructor checkride at. And they just received a $1.2 million federal grant to hmm. compl- to create a new hangar and a new training facility to expand their flight training program in northern Minnesota. Well, that sounds pretty and exciting. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. I mean, the, the fact that they've recognized that there's a need. Apparently, they're, they've got a pretty robust flight training program, uh, you know, not quite to the scale of Ed and Keith's operation down at Flight Training Professionals, but they have a five-month backlog right now in getting students into the program because they just don't have the classroom space. They don't have the hangar space to be able to expand and have a larger fleet. And so they're putting this investment into the Cloquet-Carleton County Airport in order to build that new facility to allow that operator to expand, to be able to hire more instructors, to be able to train more pilots. Because despite all of the coronavirus shutdown, once things kind of get picked back up, we're expecting the aviation industry to rebound. And we've had a lot more retirements. Airlines, you know, have been furloughing pilots and they've been offering voluntary buyouts. Mm -hmm. We're still going to need people to fill those seats. And where are they going to come from? We have to be training the next generation of pilots. And so this is a way that they're going to do that. So okay, so fantastic when, when boost do they to the rural Minnesota. This uh, new hangar set up. Uh, I, I would imagine within a year. Okay. Uh, you know, it takes some time to build and you know get all this done. But I mean, that's a, that's a huge investment. $1.2 in federal coupled with state and U.S. Department of Commerce. I mean, the whole total package is somewhere north of $1.5 million. That's okay. a huge should be a pretty Minnesota nice facility, it sounds like. Yeah. I'm looking forward to checking it out. You I know, bet. it'd be nice to go visit my mother-in-law and come into a nice place and maybe mm-hmm. be able to hang her the airplane for the yeah. night. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. You got that. Now, a little further south, we have some news to share uh, at an airport that uh, Dennis and I hope to visit here uh, pretty soon uh, because it's in a, a high, well, a, a, a diving hot spot right now uh and and being the fact we can't fly out of the country that easily you know dennis has his mooney 201 and we we've been talking about flying down to the keys to do some stuff here in florida and marathon has just announced a big upgrade as well is that right their airport yeah they they uh, announced it apparently last year they broke ground in the construction but they've just opened their brand new fbo a uh, 3000 square foot uh, they call it a key west style terminal Mm-hmm. Um, with a 12,000 square foot hangar with 28 foot high doors. So they can even get the big golf streams in there for, uh, transient traffic. So I think it's great. You know, they, they've expanded and improved the facility. It's going to be hurricane proof. So, you know, you better the be. building. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has to be, it's yes. in the key, but right. I mean, I just, it's just fantastic. Again, more investment in the general aviation infrastructure that, you know, the, the general public, the flying public can take advantage of. Yeah, You know, we can go down there, we can go, uh, you know, park the airplane, go scuba dive, go partake in the local businesses and, and know that we're going to have a, a, you know, a nice facility, clean facility, lots of room parking. Right. And if you don't want to go into the craziness of uh, Key West airport, which, you know, it's not that hard to do either, but it's obviously way, way more busy than Marathon is. Uh, what's nice about Marathon is you you can fly right in there like you said, this new facility, the facilities they had before were not bad. They were actually pretty decent. So I can only imagine it's just that much better. But location, location, location. I mean, just a short drive south, you can go to Key West, but you can still visit a lot of the, the real keys right there in Marathon or even drive a little north 
up to Key Largo because you don't really have a place to land in Key Largo as well. You have to go like what down to Homestead maybe. Yeah, yeah, up, yeah you have closest. to actually go all the way up onto the mainland is yeah. probably one of the closest, unless you have access to the uh, flying community, the Ocean Reef Club. Right, but if you're one of those. I suspect folks, that that's uh, right. a little bit uh, hard to get permission to land in there. Right. You got to know someone like runs uh, AOPA or something, which we don't, we don't have that much pull. But, really? uh, but regardless, uh, Marathon is a perfect spot to kind of get the best of both worlds. So I, you know, we've been wanting to go down there. The diving down there, by the way, in Marathon is spectacular. It's really good, uh, even better if you ask me than going all the way down to Key West. So I, I love the idea of flying into a, a slightly smaller, less busy airport like that, taking that flight down. You know, US one. Uh, just the scenery would I would imagine it'd be spectacular flying over a seven mile bridge, wouldn't you think? I think it would be beautiful. I mean, just it'd be almost like flying to the Bahamas, but without the uh, the, the extended overwater excursion. Right, and, and so you you get down there and pick up your key lime pie, a black and fish sandwich, and you know, I Tower bet pizza. They get this brand new uh, FBO. They probably got a pretty awesome cappuccino machine or something in there. Surely, with part of the upgrades, I bet it's uh, it's pretty pretty awesome stuff. Well, it's been a few years since I was last in Marathon, but from what I recall, the Marathon Airport's right along the edge of US-1. It is. Right kind of in the heart of the downtown. So you could even just fly in there and go walk into downtown and go to some of the shops and things like that. So You could, uh, but you could easily just catch a quick ride or Uber or Lyft or whatever and get around real quick. But like you said, you're right there in the city center, uh, if you want to call it as such there in marathon all right great stuff we got another plan for our next flight to the keys and on that note we'll wrap it up till next time remember there is no better high than learning to fly just plain radio is brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. i say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit your aviation resource on the information super skyway it's the only way to be sure just plain radio is a production of overboard entertainment incorporated but just plain wrong remember you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlaneRadio.com. i'm gonna leave my people up to the radio tower so tell a friend and take off every week with just plain radio and i'm gonna make a call the show devoted exclusively to fly and the aviation lifestyle. Listen up, everybody. Hi, news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plane Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlaneRadio.com. <laughs>